Good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Father, we just want to thank you for everything you're doing. We thank you and we bless you. We give you praise. Thank you for your praise that was full in this house this morning. We thank you for the lifting up of your name. You said, uh, unto the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. Father, we just want to thank you, God, because our gathering this morning, wherever we are, all over the face of the earth, is unto Jesus, the one and the only true living God. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O God. We allow your spirit to have free expression here this morning in the name of Jesus. And we declare, O God, that your word will go out with power. It will heal the sick. It will deliver those who are under bondage. Father, it will uplift those who are down and depressed. Yes. Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus, we speak to people's hearts. We declare your praise over the lives of people. Yes. We thank you, O God, because we understand and we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, yes. but they are mighty through you. Father, therefore, manifest yourself through these weapons in our lives, O God. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. We just want to appreciate you for uh, being a part of our service this morning. Uh, it doesn't matter what part of the world you are watching from. We just want to let you know that we really, really do feel you. We feel uh, the, 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 the grace of God upon your life extended towards this place. And we just want to ask you that if this is your first time, of, for, I mean, this is your first time joining us, we thank God for you. And we hope this is not going to be your last time of joining us. Thank you and God bless you. All right, we are still talking about change. This is the second uh, part of the, uh, uh, the, the, the message on change. And um, before, I, before I go into what I have today, I just want to quickly uh, just give you a brief recap of what we did last week, all right? And this is for the benefit of people who were not here or did not follow us last week. Um, we started with change, that change is normal. Change is something you cannot fight. It is just normal to life. That's just what life is. That's the way God designed life, all right? That's just the way life is. Change cannot be prayed away. Change cannot be wished away. You cannot fast it away. Whether you like it or not, change will come. Change will come. It doesn't matter whether you're a man of faith or you're a woman of doubt. Faith will come. Whether you're a Muslim or you're a Christian, faith will come. Uh, change will come, I'm sorry. Whether you are unemployed or you're employed, you're a business owner, change will come. It does not matter. It is just a part of life. All right? And we said that the only thing we can do to change is to adapt or make adjustments to it. We have to just figure it out. Right? And we also said that um, one of the reasons why a lot of times we challenge faith, uh, change. Why am I talking? Okay, faith is one of the things I'm talking about this morning. And that's why it's so, it's so ingrained in my brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Um, one of the reasons why we normally resist change is because of our, uh, uh, our, our feeling that life is linear, right? And like we said, we showed a diagram. I'm sure, I hope this is clear today. This should be clear because this is a darker marker. All right? Yeah, I think it's clear. So we think that if you're like me, like I said last week, I love my life to be linear, to go this way, right? The things I have today are better than the things I had yesterday. All right? The kind of things I could afford yesterday, I want a better one today. So my life is going just straight, linear, no problem, no issue. Am I correct? All right? 
or at best, even if my life is not going at this, uh, this tangent or this trajectory, I want my life to be straight. Even though I cannot afford something better today, at least I'm not shorter from what I had yesterday. Am I correct? But we, even though, again, we like linearity, right? There's a kind of linearity that we don't like. And that is when things go this way, right? Because if it goes this way, it means it's a free fall. You are down for a free fall, and we don't like that. So we like it to go this way, or we accept it going this way. But we decided, we talked last week that life does not go that way. That's not how life works. Life is not linear. Why God did it that way, I don't know. All right? But it's just that way. But I think at the end of the day, there's a reason and there's a purpose for which life goes that way. And we're going to see some of the reasons today why I think life goes this way. All right? And we now said last week, we now came this way, and we said that life goes something like this. And like this, something like this, right? And something like this. Am I correct? But no matter where life is for you, no matter how life is, no matter what you are, no matter what state of life you are in, it really does not matter. What matters most is how stable you can be within the context of this. All right? And the stability comes from God. Because, you know, you know God, you know yourself, and you always recall the experiences that God has put you through. And those things are the things that can keep you stable. That linearity that you are looking for is going to be in terms of your perspective, in terms of who you are, in terms of what you know about God. That is what is going to keep you this way, the stability we are looking for. All right. So last week, this is where I'm going to start from this week. Now, what I dealt with at the end of last week with this, all right, is when change happens to you personally. All right? This is when my life goes up or my life goes down. Now, when I'm going through personal changes, it does not mean that Pastor Bank is going through the same kind of changes that I'm going through. Am I correct? Now, and that is why God needs me to be stable. If I'm stable, my life will be stable here. But the change, the kind of change I want to talk about today is a change that happens to us collectively. So there are changes that happen to us personally in terms of our fortunes, right? Where we are financially, where we are in terms of our family, where we are in terms of our business. This is a personal change. But the change I want to briefly talk about, I'll quickly talk about this morning, is what happens to us collectively, all right? In other words, I'm going through a particular change and every other person has to go through that particular change. Am I correct? Say for instance, the way we walk is changing, and it's not just for me alone. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. We are all going through that. COVID has taught us that we all have to make that adjustment, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Am I correct? The way we raise our children is different now. I'm not the one that's just only going through that, right? Life has changed. Yeah. Now, if you are one of those people who believe that you can raise your children the way you raised them in 1974, then you are in for a surprise. Because things have changed, right? The way life is has changed. The way people understand things have changed. The way things work have changed. So if you are in 97, if you have a 1974 mentality to meet with the challenges of raising children today, you are in for a shocker. Am I correct? That is the kind of change I'm talking about now. Where, we, where change happens to society and it happens to all of us and we have to figure a way of thriving. Even within the means and the context of everybody having to go through that change. 
Are we all together? Yes. All right. So now, before I quickly go into you know some of the things I I, I want to talk about uh, in in, um, in 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 that in that change uh, situation, that's general change. I just want to remind you that when change comes, whether personal change or collective change, when change comes, it gives you an opportunity for something. That's always an opportunity for something. All right? When change comes, we are either responding by making adjustments, you're adjusting to it. That's one kind of, you know, uh, uh, response. The other kind of response, you are either resisting or you are indifferent. And for the most part, resisting and, um, no, sorry, making the adjustments to um, uh, uh, adapt is just the best option for every one of you. Because what happens is, if you don't adapt or make adjustments, you are going to be swept off with change. Where is it going to sweep you to? It's going to sweep you to the place called irrelevance. No in-between. When change comes, you are either relevant or you are irrelevant. And it all depends on how you respond to it. Are we still together? For instance, let me just give, maybe this is not a good example, let me just give a good example, let me just give this example. And, and I was arguing, I was talking with somebody and um, we, were, we were talking about the Bible and all of that, and all of that kind of stuff. And the person was talking about how they don't believe that uh, when you take your iPhone or your devices and read the Bible from it, that you know you're reading the Bible. Where's the parchment? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the book? How can I flip it? How can I do that? And and I'm, I'm like, look, what is the difference between the A in the book that was printing and the A that you read here? If it's an A that was written there and an A that is written on, 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 on this. And the world has so changed. Before, we had people smuggling Bibles into all these worlds that you cannot reach, right? You cannot enter certain countries because you cannot carry a Bible there. They will see it. They can look at it. But now you can enter into these hard countries with your device. Your Bible is there. Your Bible is intact. The Bible is being spread more. The gospel is being reached everywhere now. You know why? Because people are embracing technology. And if you don't embrace technology in your little corner where you are there because you're a Christian, you're going to go obsolete. All right? So, what, so I mean, we, 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 we cannot do anything to change. We can only, only, only adjust to it. I'll tell you a quick story about somebody, one man called Samson in the Bible, in, in, the, in the book of Judges. Judges was a time of rascality in Israel, right? Where everybody just did whatever they wanted and God would just at some point just reach somebody to just help them out after they have cried to God, all right? And after then, then things happen, then they come back and go back to their normal ways again and then God will raise somebody. And God raised this guy called Samson. And Samson was this guy that had these supernatural abilities to be able to deal with. In fact, the Bible tells us that one day he was so angry because his father-in-law took his wife and gave, him to some, and gave her to somebody. You know what he did? He took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand people. I mean, he was a guy who was just, he, he just did whatever he wanted to do. And it was a law unto himself. And nobody could do anything. He was just avenging the issues of Israel over them. 
But guess what? Times began to change and things began to happen. And Samson did not know that times had changed. And he lived on yesterday's mercy. Lived on yesterday's grace. Because you know why? He refused to change. He refused to adapt to the new life, to what was going on around him. So guess what? When Delilah told, you know, tied his hair and all of that, he was like, oh, Samson, the Philistines, are, oh, the Philistines are over you. And boom, he'll get up and things happen normally. But gradually, he did not know that he was moving away from the area of reality and relevance. Until, until at the end of the day, he saw that he was bound. And what he depended on yesterday could not save him today. Is that not what a lot of us are doing today? Even in our churches, in our places of work, the way we approach things, the way we approach our families, the way we approach life, the way we do things, we are living on past glories. This is the way I have known it to be done. This is how I see it being done. This is what I know, I know how to do. Instead of us to try and make adjustments to come into a place where we will be able to remain relevant in the things that are going on around us. And the story of Samson's life, I want you to listen to this. If you don't get anything today, I want you to listen to this. It was, it was the story of Samson's life, the, one of the biggest lessons of the stories of Samson's life is this, that sometimes you may be anointed and have all the grace that God has given you, but the way you implement that grace will make you still irrelevant. So your response to the things of God will determine how relevant the power of God is going to be. Was Samson anointed? He was absolutely anointed. Was he graced? He was actually absolutely graced. But the way he went about responding to the things of life, that's topic. In, in, in Acts chapter 5, we saw the same thing too. When the, when the Jewish leaders and all of that, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they did not know that things were shifting spiritually. They did not know that Jesus Christ was actually the one who has come to change things. Because he has now said that it is not for you to... It, you know, uh, I mean, you are, it's not for you to go to the mountains to go and worship God, but those that worship God will worship God in spirit and in truth. And they did not know that the season of the spirit and truth had come. All right? They're still dependent on going to their mountains, going to their temples, going to everywhere, and all of that. And even when those guys who had an inkling that change has come, when they were doing it and they were doing the right thing, guess what happened? They arrested them and they wanted to, to deal with them and lock them up. But there was a wise guy who was there who was called Gamaliel. And Gamaliel told them, he said, look, there are certain things you cannot fight. If this is of God, because there are two guys who had come before. One was Thaddeus. They came, they did this kind of thing, but it wasn't a real change. But I think that this guy called Jesus is a real deal. And I just want you to follow these guys. Just let them be. If it is God, it will stand. If it is not God, it's not going to stand. Whatever is not God, it's not going to stand. Is that not our attitude to change sometimes, right? We want to go against the grain. We want to, want to fight the things that we cannot fight, all right? We are in cultural wars, cultural battles, and all those kind of things. And at the end of the day, we find out that we don't have enough capacity because of where our minds are to be able to deal with the realities of today. So I'm saying that when change comes, when change comes, um, these are the things I want you to look at. I want you to know these following things. When change comes. Number one, you have to prepare for change. All right? If you wait for change to come before you're preparing, you're too late. So you have to prepare. 
you have to live in a constant state of preparedness. And that's what I really, really want to deal with this morning and, and, and close us out uh, with that. All right? But before then, let me quickly tell you. Every response you give, whether you adapt, you resist, or you fight it, there's always an opportunity for something. It's either you have an opportunity to exercise and grow your faith, or you have an opportunity to live in fear. Faith gives you the opportunity to either live and grow by faith, or to live in fear. Like the song we sang now, it said, lead me to the place where uh, it, it's, you know, my feet, you know, is above, you know, in the waters, right? What was that lyric of the song? So that my faith will grow and all of that, right? My faith will become stronger because of where you are leading me to. In other words, even God in himself wants to lead us. Because if you know everything you are supposed to know, if you understand everything you are supposed to understand, there will be no room for faith. So one of the reasons why God designed life to be like this is that he wants us to have an opportunity to live by faith. If life is clear, if life is straight, if you understand everything about life, you will not be able to live by faith. And what does faith do? If you look at the intro, what does faith do? Faith, when you live by faith, it helps us to be able to be what? It helps us to be able to improve in things, on things. Whatever is remaining, whatever is there, it helps you to be able to improve. All right? What does faith do? I mean, what, what does change do? Uh, I mean, what does faith do when you, uh, when, when you adopt faith in place of, for change? Right? It helps you to be able to improve things. It helps you to make things anew. It helps you to be able to increase in the things that God wants you to increase in. And it helps you to be able to do things the way they need to be done so that you can remain relevant. But if you, are, if you, if you hold on to fear or you, do, you come to fear, guess what is going to happen? You either become a resistant to faith or you become obsolete because that is all that fear can afford you. So how do we prepare? How do we prepare for change? How do we prepare for change? Number one, number one thing I want you to see on how we prepare for change is that you must, you must improve on your knowledge and your understanding. I don't care whether, I don't care what it is. Whether you're working in the corporate world, you're working uh, in the church, you're a Christian, you're whatever it is. Knowledge is one of the key factors that helps you to prepare for change. And not the knowledge you know, but knowledge that you're increasing in every time. Look at what Paul said. Paul said something. In Proverbs, can you open to Proverbs 18.15 for me? Proverbs 18.15, let me just read I have some. I have some scriptures, but let me just read this. Proverbs 18.15. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge. So if you are prudent, you are going to acquire knowledge. All right? And... And the heir of the wise seeks knowledge. If you are wise and you are prudent, you will always seek knowledge. In other words, what makes you seek knowledge is prudence and wisdom. So what is Paul saying? Wisdom is the ability to do things the way it should be done, when it should be done, and how it should be done. Am I correct? And uh, Solomon is telling us here, that the way to be able to get to doing things 
when, how, and where it should be done correctly and accurately is true knowledge. And Paul, I mean, Paul in the book of Timothy was telling uh, his, his servant because they chased him out of, you know, those missionary places where he went to settle. And guess what happens? He forgot everything and ran for his life. All right? Now, when he was sending messengers back to those places, you know what he asked for? He did not ask for all the other good things that he wanted. He just wanted his coat to make him warm, to keep him warm. That's number one. Number two, he wanted his books and the parchments, those things that he was jotting in, his jotters, his, his, his books, the things that he had, he had done. In other words, Paul was valuing knowledge because he knows that no matter where he is, whether I am incarcerated or I am free, one thing that I cannot afford to lose is my understanding of remaining current in things that are going on. So he said, bring my books and the parchments. Bring them for me. Those are the things he asked for. Every other thing, forget about them. If I get this thing, if I can read, if I can understand, if I can increase my knowledge, I will improve. In other words, what am I saying? You are in a place of work. You don't even know what is going on. Before long, you will not be relevant. Nobody, you know, your boss will not want to work with you again. They are looking for somebody else. Because life is changing. You are not contributing anything. In fact, you are a hindrance to the things that are going on. It's, it's, it, it, it's just, I, I, was, I, was talking to, I was talking to somebody, and I was advising this guy. And um, he, he, he got a job somewhere, and he was working, and he said, oh, I've gotten to a point where, oh, um, I just see these guys, they just hire people, they hire them, they bring them to me, I train them, and when I train them, they just rise up and, 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 and I'm forgotten. And I'm like, have you ever evaluated what you're contributing to the organization? How much time have you spent to improve what is going on? Do you make suggestions? What are the things you are doing? And the same way with us even spiritually, in our personal spiritual lives, in our church life, we need to question things. We need to add to our knowledge. We need to look at the way things are done. We need to look at things differently. We need to source knowledge from wherever we can source knowledge from and see the way things are happening because life is changing. The way we are reaching people in 66 is different from the way we are reaching people now. And for us, a lot of times as Christians, what we want to do because we think that makes us spiritual is we want to talk about giving that old-time religion. No, that old-time religion is not going to suit the present-day religion. Because things have changed. The way people respond to the gospel has changed. The way people see things has changed. All right? Are we saying that the gospel has changed? No, that's not what we're saying. Let me repeat that again. We're not saying that the gospel has changed, but our delivery must meet the current expectations. Number two, when you are preparing for change, number two thing, do not ever put yourself in a place where you have an opinion to what you don't understand. Too many of us have opinions to what we don't understand. Things are happening around us, things are changing, and immediately before we think about it, we already have an opinion. But that's not what James taught us. James taught us to be slow to speak. 
but quick to hear. In other words, we should open up to hearing. We should open up to seeing things. We should not just declare our opinion. Do you know something about opinion? Opinion is the cheapest thing to have around. Everybody has one. And you don't have to do anything about it. And that is why you have to sit down, study things. Don't condemn things that you don't understand. If you don't understand it, spend time studying it. If you have a habit of condemning things you don't know or you don't understand before they start, you don't have an opportunity to partake in whatever goodness is going to come out of it because you're already resistant. That's number two. Number three, which I want to dwell in for, for the remainder of my time. I see I have some points, but this one I want to hold on to. I just want to deal with this before, you know, before I leave. And that is we must, must, must create. We must create habits of excellence every time. If you want to remain relevant, you have to have the habit of excellence, creating excellence every time, shooting for excellence. Who gave us that example? Paul gave us the example. Paul says in Philippians, Philippians, uh, okay, I think it's Philippians 3, Philippians 3, right, where he was talking, where, where Paul was telling us that uh, forgetting those things that were behind, that are behind, I press on. He said, even though these things are things that are advantageous to me, as advantageous as they are, as good as they, as, as they are, right? If I still go back to the Jewish community, these things will still stand. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. I'm a this of that. Uh, I studied under the best lawyers and all of that. I'm a law professor. I'm all that stuff. Even though they are good, but I want something better. And I'm not just talking about our spiritual life only. I'm talking about our lives all around. We have to create that habit of excellence every time. Simple things. Just change simple things. Do simple things. So that when the real change comes, because you have, been, you, you, have, you have imbibed that quality of not remaining the same, it's easy for you to just adapt quickly. Right? For instance, there are some of us Maybe, maybe you're watching me, I don't know, some of you, I mean, you have not painted your house in 35 years, the, the, the way it was then, that's the way it is still is now. Do something little, yes, sir. even if it means just changing, uh, you know, uh, ch changing your carpet, cleaning it, rearrange the way things are, look for things, right, your, in, in your career, do things differently. Right? You know what? Because if not, when change comes, it's difficult. Now, I, I exercise a lot and I run. And one thing they tell you is that don't run in the same place. Switch it up every time. All right? If not, if not, you are not going to be able to sustain it. Switch it up every time. Switch how far you run. Switch it up. All right? If you run 10 miles today, run 5 miles today. All right? Don't consistently remain running 5 miles every day. It's not going to have any benefit. At the end of the day, you don't even have any health benefits from it. All right? Switch things up. Create those habits of excellence. Desire to do better than you did yesterday. And put things in place to make sure that that happens, even when there's no reason for them. Nobody's coming to assess you. Nobody's coming to do this. In your own place, you have that integrity to be able to build that attitude of excellence and improvement and change. Don't rest on the hours of yesterday, what you did yesterday. Don't rest on them. 
decide that you are going to do better no matter how when the opportunity for that better tomorrow comes you are able to adapt easily because why you have created those habits of excellence you have created those habits of excellence paul said one thing i do i forget those things which are behind me and i press on to the mark of the high calling of jesus christ in other words the things i did yesterday they may not be enough to carry me to where God really intends to carry me to. So I need to start practicing myself. You remember, Paul did not wait for the things to happen. He did not wait for his ministry to happen. Paul began to change. He began to do things. He began to change. He did things differently. In fact, there was a time he said he went to Arabia and studied for how many years? 14 years or something like that. All right? He went there, he interacted with God. He did things differently. Paul did not remain the same where he was. I know that sometimes many of us want to be like Jesus Christ. We want to be like Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday and today and forever. All right? But, 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 but the truth is, even Jesus Christ that remains the same yesterday, today and forever, guess what? The way he implements things changes every time. That's why it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are what? They are new every morning. It's every morning. There's a new mercy every morning. Is it that sometimes the mercy of Jesus cannot carry you today? No, it can carry you. But God just has enough of mercy. And he says, okay, the one for yesterday is obsolete. We need one today. In conclusion, I just want you to ask yourself the following questions. What am I doing to prepare for change? What am I doing to prepare for change? Because it's going to come. It's coming. Some of them come in a wave, right? Like, like Corona just came in, and everything just changed. Some of them come gradually. Some changes come gradually, right? You don't know. It just creeps up on you. But whether they come in a wave or they come gradually, the question is, what are you doing to prepare for them? I was talking to uh, a younger friend of mine who, who works in, you know, he works in corporate America. He works in one of these big banks. I'm just saying this to conclude now. He works in one of these big banks. And he said, we are rebranding. And I'm like, why? What are you rebranding to? What, what, is, the, what is the issue? He said, we are rebranding. He said, he said, we are known as a bank that offers financial services. He said, but today, because of the environment and what is going on around us, we are rebranding as a technological company that offers financial services. Did you, did you get what I said? We are rebranding. And I can mention the name. I don't want to mention the name of the bank so that I don't give them free publicity. <laughs> but it's one of the big banks, one of the big threes. And they are now rebranding. They are no more a bank. They are rebranding. They want you to now get them to understand and work with them, not as a bank now but as a technology company that offers financial services. Any wonder why all these banks have lasted 200 years, 300 years, and all of that? Because they are always rebranding. They are always changing to adapt to the situation. Am I correct? So that's one question. What are you doing to stay relevant? And number two, I want us to ask it. This is a question to us as a church. As a church, work fan. What are we doing? What are, the, what are the things we are doing? What are the little things we are doing to stay relevant with the call of God upon our lives? Amen. Because it is not just enough for God to call us. Yes. All right? He says, uh, the, the Bible tells about, you know, without, 
Without the vision, the people perish. All right? But at the same time, too, without the people, the vision is not going to be effective. So if we have a vision and we're not reaching people, we're not touching people, our vision is not effective. It is not doing what it's supposed to do. So the vision is just as good as useless. So what I'm saying is, as a church, we need to ask ourselves this question. What are we doing as a church to embrace change and not just to embrace change, to be ready for change? God bless you.